This episode of Money Mindset Matters is dedicated to anyone who is raising a child. In case you need to be reminded, you're doing a great job. Hope you are well and as always, I'm immensely grateful to have you here and have the opportunity to share my knowledge on building wealth and developing a healthy relationship with money. This episode is going to be a little bit different and a very personal one as the theme for the, for the podcast today is how I teach my kids about money. I deeply believe that one of life's greatest joys is becoming a parent. It's also possibly quite uh, one of life's greatest challenges as well. And and, um, most of the times it feels like, you know, you're walking on eggshells or a tightrope. No matter how many parenting books you read, you can never seem to get it 100% right. And I think that's part of the joy of it as well. You know, from the moment they... You know, from the moment our child is born, we immediately grow this overwhelming desire to not just fiercely protect them, but give them everything and teach them everything and make every dream of theirs come true. We begin to visualize, you know, how we're going to teach them to walk and ride a bike, cook rice, help them buy their first car and make plans for how we plan to pay for their education as well. So as a parent and a or a carer, we make it our job, of course, as well, to teach our kids everything, forgetting that sometimes I think they are also teaching us and perhaps more than we even realize. Most importantly, we hope to teach them values like respect and honesty and to value family, food, water, and teach them to also value money. When it comes to how we view and think about money, those thoughts and and feelings are inherited from our parents and the perspectives that they held growing up. So personally for me, I wanted to ensure that my children wouldn't inherit my old money beliefs. Did you know that the average Australian family will spend roughly $8,840 per year per child and around $1,559,000 over, over 18 years, you know, raising each child. <laughs> so it's safe to say that teaching our children the value of money is an important life lesson. And so a few years ago, I decided to change the traditional approach um, to how I teach my kids about money. And together with my husband, we've rewritten the rules around how we would educate our children on the subject of money. The first principle is to teach them the value of time over the value of money. I want them to understand and grow a deeper respect for their time and teach them that they can always make or attract more money, but they can't make or create more time. So for this reason, we don't believe in giving them pocket money or money for chores. No one pays me to make my bed or clean up after myself or empty the dishwasher. So why am I attaching a monetary reward to tasks that they won't be paid for when they are adults? I think it creates a false sense of attachment that only money will get them what they want. When instead, I would rather them grow to appreciate that spending their time on a task gets them the reward they want. Instead of money for chores, we have a money 
currency chart. In their rooms, they each have a list of tasks or chores that I'd like them to do each week. Basic stuff, make your bed, get ready for school, (laughs) empty the dishwasher, (laughs) fold clothes. And then in our pantry, we have uh, a larger a larger list um, where they have a list of rewards and the time currency costs that that are attached to that reward. So each task on the list is worth about 10 minutes of their time currency and when they complete the task on their list they draw a love heart next to their name uh, on the whiteboard so that I know that the task has been completed and then I will and then they will that will earn them their time. The second principle we follow is to always tell them the truth about money. What I mean by this is that we teach them about what real money is so that they understand that there is actually, in fact, a difference between currency and money. I also teach them that it's not just coins, notes and plastic cards that you tap on a machine or digits on a screen. It's a form of energy. It's abundance uh, and why so many people have it and so many few don't. I like to teach them the difference between assets and liabilities. I teach them what financial words mean, such as mortgage, loans, credit cards and taxation. I ask them first what they think it means and then I explain it to them in a way that I know um, they would understand. So I try not to dumb it down, but I try to explain it the same way as I would to an adult, Uh, but obviously using simpler words or perhaps reflecting it back into a scenario uh, or a story that they would understand. Of course, at times they don't completely understand it all, but it um, but it doesn't really matter because I don't ever want them to feel like I am dumbing it down for them or like they are unable to get it. I think children are so much more capable of understanding things than we give them credit for or believe that they will. And more often than not, they will give me a blank stare. So I usually, you know, take that as my cue to perhaps, you know, change it into a fun concept that I know that they will understand. So I know my kids better than anyone else. So I always obviously try and use an example based around something that they are into, whether it's um, a game like Roblox at the moment or Among Us or if it's ice cream, you know, something like that. Number three, I teach them that failing is okay. I think this is a really important thing because throughout school, they're constantly uh, being reminded that, you know, it's not okay to get something wrong. And um, I think that then has a really negative effect on how they attempt to analyze risk in future because they will always not want to fail. So I teach them that failing is okay. A mantra that we often use at home is mistakes are proof we are trying. I want them to learn to be comfortable with failing, losing and disappointments because you know, it's going to happen. And most people, I believe, you know, hold back from achieving or even reaching for the things that they want because they're too afraid to fail. You know, our fridge is usually covered in inspirational quotes about how failing is okay and it's just part of the progress. Again, I don't ever expect that they won't be upset or won't be angry at themselves, but at least they have a visual cue that it's a feeling that is okay to have and that it's part of the life experience. I usually use analogies like, well, did you learn to ride a bike overnight? Did you learn to read overnight? No, it took practice, patience, persistence. That's another really fun one that we have up on this on our fridge wall. (laughs) 
Number four is numbers. I try to instill a love of maths and a love of learning the difference between value and quality. I usually turn that into a bit of a game as well. We often have conversations around math, maths and on long drives somewhere they, um, that they love, we give them sort of um, little on-the-spot quizzes. When I do the groceries, for example, I take the opportunity to teach them the difference between a product that is of value versus a product that is on sale or is cheaper or a product that is discounted. For example, with eggs, I explain that although caged eggs are cheaper, but I don't believe that they are ethical. So when we do buy eggs, it's either free range or organic eggs. And obviously they're the more expensive one. They're the more, the, they're the more expensive kind, um, but I believe it to be worth the value for money. The other thing I do is I like planting seeds for entrepreneurship through stories. I like to teach them about entrepreneurship, how to start a business and what is involved in creating a business. Uh, an example of this is a story called the lemonade stand story. When my daughter was eight, she came up to me one day and asked for money for the canteen. I told her that rather than just give her the money, that she had to come up with an idea for how she would make money. So a few hours later, she returned saying that she had a plan. We have a lemon tree that at the time happened to be full of lemons and she asked if she'd be allowed to use our homegrown lemons and a cup of sugar and that she would make some lemonade and sell it to our neighbours who walked past. Besides being boastfully proud of her idea, I took the opportunity to teach the fundamentals of creating a business, what you know is needed and what it takes to actually get a business up and running. But rather than tell her how it's done, I asked her questions. I said, okay, so what else might you need besides lemon and sugar? How much will you sell the lemonade for? How will people know how much it costs? And, you know, how will you keep, how, you, how will you keep it cool whilst you're outside? You know, what other materials are you going to need um, to set up your stand? You know, and I watched her formulate the ideas for herself and realize how much was involved in setting up a simple lemonade stand store, lemonade stand. So today we continue to um, expand upon her idea and I use her lemonade story to teach her about employing other people, how to, um, how you have to pay for tax, how you have, how a business has to pay for taxes, how a business has to employ people and pay them superannuation. And then that sort of led into deeper conversations about what is superannuation, um, you know, how you have to market your business and create a marketing plan. So have a budget and how to create and develop a, a plan rather than just a budget or have a plan for your budget, basically. And lastly, I try to be very mindful about how they hear me talk about money and the conversations that I have with my husband when we're discussing financial matters at home as well. So an example is we really try to eliminating things like we can't afford that. Instead, we uh, ask, you know, well, that would take what would it take to make it happen? You know, how can we afford it? Um, or rather than say, you know, like that's too expensive. It's like, okay, well, how can we, um, how can we save or how can we plan for this expense? 
you know I believe that it's really important for them to always see me learning reading watching or listening to something that uh, is going to help me personally develop continue to develop my financial education so it is definitely something that they always see me do um, because I ultimately want them to just be a lifelong learner you know that that I think is the the best um, principle that I could teach them is to always stay curious, always stay open to learning, um, and to keep your perspective open as well. Because what we um, can believe in today may totally change tomorrow. That is all I have to share with you t- for today. I hope you've enjoyed uh, some of these tips. I obviously don't believe that you know I am perfect in any way, so these are just some fun ideas that I thought I would share on my podcast today. If you do something different or you do something similar, I would love to hear from you. You can follow me on Instagram at Money Mindset Matters. You also have access to the Money Action Plan, which is a free downloadable guide to help you manage money. I think this is also a really great way to educate your kids on how to not just create a budget, but create a plan. Because in order to create a budget, you also need to think about why you're saving, you know, or what you're saving or paying off, you know, and there are a lot of other, I think, mindful things that you need to consider before creating a, a, a budget. So that's it for me this week. I hope um, you've enjoyed this episode and feel free to ask me any questions and until next time take care bye bye